Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, as we continue. And this uh, passage, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, as the title has, the Chosen One. And uh, there's a series, actually, that has been uh, produced on, um, I guess you can see it on several different, uh, these uh, streaming services, The Chosen. And I'd encourage you to, to watch it. It's uh, uh, quite, a, probably one of the most accurate depictions of, of the Lord. You know, um, they always take a few liberties but um, I would encourage you to watch the series if you haven't already. And those of you who, who have watched it, uh, you, you can attest to the fact that it's uh, very moving. And Jesus is uh, portrayed from humanity. And Jesus is the God-man. And oftentimes, he's not portrayed that way. He is the God-man and down to earth. And as we'll look here in a moment at this passage, Jesus is described and his ministry is described in that way. So we're going to begin at uh, verse 15 in the 12th chapter in the book of Matthew. And actually, let's begin at 14 because uh, 15 will kind of leave you uh, wondering what uh, what what happened and so 
uh, verse 14, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. Let's pray for this. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we study your holy word, we pray, dear Father, that you be our teacher. Through God the Holy Spirit, to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus. And may we as your children grow in our understanding of what it means to be a child of the King. Lord, we thank you for all who are here today. And we pray for anyone here who has not given their heart to the Lord Jesus, that today they'll give their heart to him. And anyone listening by podcast or over the internet who doesn't know Jesus, we pray they'll come to know him today. And for anyone, Lord, who is discouraged or overwhelmed by the challenges and the difficulties of life, we pray that they'll find restoration, encouragement, and healing in the precious and powerful name in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, giving thanks. Amen. So, we looked at the previous passage last week where Jesus had gone into the synagogue and he healed a man who had a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And so the Pharisees became quite upset because he did a work on the Sabbath day. But Jesus explained that if provision could be made for an animal that had fallen into a pit, then surely provision could be made for a human being who is of far greater value than an animal. And notice that instead of it producing faith and giving glory to God for what had been done, this man that had been healed, it says in verse 14 that they went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. And that's a euphemistic way of saying kill him. Because that is what they desired to do. Now notice it says, but when Jesus knew it, in verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, Jesus knew by divine omniscience, that's one of his attributes. Omniscience means that he's all-knowing. You cannot hide anything from God. And Jesus is God the Son. <coughs> Nothing is hidden from his knowledge. <coughs> And so he knew what they were plotting. 
He knew all about it. It says he withdrew from there. Now, he didn't withdraw because he was afraid. You know, some people run away because they're afraid of certain things. Well, he withdrew from there because he would not allow anyone or anything to interfere with his ministry and fulfilling it according to the Father's will. He wasn't going to get into it with the Pharisees. And he wasn't going to allow anything to occur prematurely. Jesus was in full control. Now we would do well to follow Jesus' example. When I was a principal, at least every week it seemed like, and thankfully it wasn't every day, like in some schools, but every week there is, you know, a fight. Kids fighting. Sometimes the boys were sent up because all they were doing was, you know, wrestling out there. But some of the folks, you know, were so against anything that appears to be violent, they would send them up. And then after talking with them for a while, well, what they were doing was they were wrestling around. They were doing what boys do. In case you forgot, right? And that's what I would tell the teachers. I said, here at this school, there is no confusion with respect to boys and girls. And we will teach the boys to be gentlemen, and we will teach the girls to be ladies. And so that's what we did. But for those who really were fighting, and you know, we would try to get down to how it started, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he called me this, or he called me that, or he did that, he did that. And we would talk about it is better to turn around and walk away. To walk away. You know that Christians are not called to argue. We're not called to argue. And actually, if we followed the example of our Lord Jesus, we would not argue. As we'll see here in just a little bit. But he wasn't going to argue with them. And he wasn't going to allow anything to interrupt his ministry. So acceptance versus rejection. There are always going to be people who reject Christ, sadly. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, the Bible teaches that even after the Lord establishes his millennial kingdom a thousand years and he's going to reign there in Jerusalem and we've mentioned this before when the Lord returns he's not coming to the United States he sets up his throne in Jerusalem the Bible says when he returns he will come down on the Mount of Olives Yes. And he's going to establish his kingdom over all the earth. And we, those of us who believe in him, are going to be serving. We're going to be engaged in work. You know, we're not going to be laying on some feather bed somewhere with an angels, you know, popping grapes in our, in our mouths. All right? 
We're going to be working. We're going to be, to be serving. And yet, even during that time, and people are going to know that he is, in fact, the Savior, God the Son, the Bible says that at the end of that thousand years, that the nations will still gather together and come against him. It's referred to as the final conflict because the fire will fall from heaven and they will be destroyed. So it, it shouldn't surprise us that people today reject him still. Yet we're still called to share the message of Christ. And there, of course, are those who accept him, which brings us to our second point, and that is Great multitudes followed him. Now, when the scripture uses that phrase, great multitudes, it's talking about a lot of people. Not just, you know, 10 or 20. We're talking about hundreds or thousands. Significant because notice what it says. Great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Every single one of the people in those crowds, in the multitude, who were ill or had some type of infirmity, he healed them all. Very different from the guys on TV, or the guys who like to go around and talk about miracle services, right? got to thinking, well, why is it that they don't go, you know, to these far off places in the world where no one can give them any money and go, go do some, uh, some miracle working over there? No. Who goes? Who goes? The missionaries. The missionaries go. And what's so amazing is God uses many of the missionaries to preach the gospel and to heal Here's the amazing thing. People who are doctors, physicians, nurses, you name it, and all kinds of other occupations, agricultural specialists, engineers, carpenters, plumbers, all of and they go as missionaries, and God uses them to bring healing around the world. And they do it all to share the love of Jesus. He healed them all. Now, this body that the Lord has given to us, it's really incredible. Your body is incredible. Of all the creations, God's apex, if you will, of creation is you, us, the human being. We're the most complex of all of his creations. And we're created in his image. Trillions of cells. Trillions of cells. And what's so amazing that if, if you study it, every little cell that can't be seen with the naked eye has to, be, has to be looked at through a powerful microscope. Every little tiny cell is made up of all these tiny little parts. And all these little parts all work together, making it possible for us to live making it possible for us to enjoy a potluck. <laughs> making it possible for us to enjoy listening to music. 
seen and just enjoying life. God has created us. And there are those who say, well, I, I don't believe that God heals. Of course, of course God heals. And he can choose to heal someone instantaneously if he so desires. Or over the period of several days or several weeks or several months or several years. But know this, and I said this once before and somebody stopped coming to church because they didn't like it, but I'm going to say it again. Our full and complete healing will come to fruition in heaven. Because then we will, in fact, and this is so hard to, to grasp, will be completely sinless. Stop for a moment and, and really consider that the day is coming when you will actually be completely sinless. God is the one who will make that possible. Yeah, we struggle here in this life. We're covered by the blood of, of the Lord Jesus, amen? Because without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin, no remission, no cleansing. And God, by his, his Spirit, he sanctifies us. But the day is coming when this mortal body will die and go into the grave and will go into heaven. And there in heaven, God makes us all the perfect tent. Amen. Now he warned them not to make him known. You wonder, well, we're supposed to make him known today. Why, why wouldn't he want them to make him known then? Well, you have to remember that at the time that Jesus appeared, they were under, the, the nation of Israel was under Roman oppression. And the Messiah had been depicted in two ways in the Old Testament in the writings of the prophets and the law. He was depicted as a conquering king. And you see, in the minds of, of, the, of the Israelites, someone like David, because he's called the son of David, the mighty king who slew Goliath. And in this sense, Rome was that Goliath that they were facing at the time that Jesus came. And so they were looking for a, a conquering king. But Jesus would not be crowned king before going to the cross. Because he was also described as the suffering servant. And this passage that we read here is taken actually from the 42nd chapter in the, the book of Isaiah, verses 1 through 4. It's referred to as a servant song, one of several servant songs that are found in the book of Isaiah. He would not draw attention either to the miracles. That was not the reason for his coming. And he wasn't going to be running a circus where people were running around crazy, as you see oftentimes in so many different places. He was glorifying the Father and something else. He would not encourage mob rule. Mob rule. That takes us to our third point. The Father speaking. He 
spoke this through Isaiah the prophet. Behold. In other words, see, look, acknowledge, consider, recognize my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved. And the term there comes from the, the Greek word agape. Agapetos, meaning beloved, the dear one, unique in his relationship with the Father. There are those who like to say, well, yes, he's a son like the rest of us are, are children of God. No, that is not correct. If you believe in God, yes, you're a child of God, but not in the same sense that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the unique Son of God because he is God the Son. A unique relationship shared between him and the Father and God the Holy Spirit. One God. And notice he goes on to say, In whom my soul is well pleased. You'll recall that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, that the heavens opened the voice of the Father, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, in the form of the dove coming down upon him. The Trinity. My spirit upon him, the Father says. Our God has revealed himself in three distinct persons. We do not worship three gods. One God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the scripture. And the scripture tells us that holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to preach and to write down those things that we have. And that word testifies to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, the nature of his ministry is that of gentleness and humility. That's the nature of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him, the Bible says, all the fullness of God dwells. Our God is great. There is no other God. And he is humble. Consider how people like to brag. Jesus didn't want notoriety. The people wanted to proclaim. He said, no. And today, what do you have? They all want you to know everything that they do and what they've accomplished, etc., etc., etc. Here's one for you. People often seek recognition. And let me, let me give you just a little insight into that recognition. Would you rather receive your recognition or your reward here from humanity or wait to receive it in heaven? Stop and really 
think that one through because people, they desire recognition. And that, that reveals something about the individual's heart. If you have to be recognized and always patted on the back and told how wonderful you are and the fabulous job that you're doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to do anything, then you're full of yourself. Now, am I saying it's a negative thing to recognize people? No. No, I'm not saying that. But we're taking a personal look inside at the heart. If you seek out recognition, there's something wrong with your heart. Jesus, in all of his life, sought to give glory and honor to the Father. And the nature of his ministry is gentleness and humility, justice. And we looked at that in our Sunday school lesson. God's justice is very different from man's definition of justice. And God's is right. And man's is oftentimes, most often, wrong. Compassion, forgiveness, healing, and encouragement. Well, where do we get that? Notice that it says here. It says, I will put my spirit upon him. And now the scripture, the scripture tells us that that he had the spirit without measure. Why? Because he's God the Son. But he goes on to say he will declare justice. He will declare what is right and what is good, what is honorable, and what is pleasing to the Father. And he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Now the word that is actually there in the Greek refers to all the nations. To all nations. And in some of the different translations, they use the word nation because it comes from the Greek word ethnoi, which means ethnic groups, to all of the various ethnic groups. Because he's Lord for all nations and all people. But then he goes on and says, He will not quarrel nor cry out. In other words, he's not going to argue. And oftentimes, Christians allow themselves to get into arguments with unbelievers. Now let me give you a statement, and you know, but pray about it before you use it. I mean, I use it, but you probably need to pray about it before you use it. <laughs> it's when I'm talking with someone, trying to lead them to the Lord, and they continue to reject and refuse, etc. I'll just usually say, well, don't die, don't die soon. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, I've I've said that for for decades to people. All right. And see, so that it 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 fits my ministry and the and the gift that that the Lord has given to me. And you might use it, but you might get yourself in trouble by using it. So, so that's why I say pray about it. But the point is this: we don't argue. See, Jesus didn't argue with them. Just merely state the reality. Friend, God is real. And he loves you. And no matter what you've done in your life, he loves 
He cares about you. But tragically, if you don't place your faith and trust in him, you will spend eternity in hell. That's the part they don't like. Oh, they like to hear, oh, that God loves them. They like to hear that part. But the part that they'll be held accountable if they refuse to believe in him, that part they don't like. But see, if we never, if we never share that part, we're only telling half the story. They need to know that if they don't accept Jesus as their Savior, they're going to spend eternity in hell. But don't argue about it. Now, it goes on. It says, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He's not going to be out there as a loudmouth. Oh, we have so many loudmouths in America. My goodness obnoxious some obnoxious people loud mouths demanding their rights you know you gotta treat me both. and I, I'm tempted sometimes I, I just want to say man could you just shut up <laughs> notice a bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. What does that mean? Well, the reed was a plant, a type of plant. It's also used or described in the scripture as a stick or a staff, or a pen to write with, or also a measuring rod or a stick. The same word that's used here in the, in the Greek as well as in the, in the various Hebrew passages. It's used in that many different, or those many different ways. But here, specifically, as a plant, as a tender plant. See, we are all plants, if you will, in the garden of the Lord. And if you've ever gardened, and, uh, you know, they're almost like your little children, you know, they're growing. You wouldn't want to step on them or crush them or, or harm them. See, his goal in coming was not to destroy anyone. You follow? Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save humanity, to save all of creation, because God loves every human being. And the, the smoking flax, flax was a, another type of plant, and actually the word in the Greek is linen. Linen, that's a Greek word, linen. And you've had linen sheets, right? Linen. And they would use it like a wick. And in some of your translations, that's how it has it. It has a, has a wick. A wick that's, that's, that's barely lit. So what is he talking about? He didn't come to discourage people or to snuff out their lives. He didn't come to snuff out an individual's life, but rather to ignite within them a fire, the fire of life, the fire that comes from the presence of God the Holy Spirit. And when someone gives their heart to the Lord, God the Holy Spirit comes into their life and gives them or ignites within them fire for life. Our God is a God of life. Jesus himself said, my God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, of the living. Amen. And notice, Jesus is the chosen servant. 
the Savior of humanity. Over in Acts, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Must be saved. Now, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And you'll read something that is really quite wonderful. Of course, all of the scripture is wonderful. But in keeping with our passage here today, Ephesians chapter 1. That Jesus is the chosen servant. But watch what the scripture says about us. Verse 3, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he, what does it say? Chose who? You have been chosen by God. Stop for a moment and think about that. You have been chosen by God. In the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So those who say that the Bible is okay with abortion are lying. That is false. That is a lie of the evil one. The Bible does not teach abortion. The Bible teaches life. And in our Sunday school lesson this morning, what is true justice? What is truly seeking God? It is seeking what is good and what is right and what is honorable to God. Over in the book of Jeremiah, he says, I called you. Right? I called you. Even before he was in the womb. And then Psalm 139, what does it state? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. While I was there in my mother's womb, you knit me together, my, my innermost being. And what do we read here? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to, to adoption as sons or children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Who is that beloved? The beloved is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been chosen by God. And yesterday, speaking with my granddaughter, and we were looking at that psalm, Psalm 139. And we had a little, little commentary on that. And we talked about how people can say such mean things. And how today, the cell phone, how that people use that cell phone to criticize and to bully and all the different things that they do. 
Now the cell phone, is, it's, a, it's a very useful tool, but like anything that God has given to us, it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. But we talked about self-worth. And you see, our self-worth comes from the fact that we are a child of God made in his image. And people stew, you know, and they, and they, they become so irritated and, and frustrated and depressed and discouraged because somebody says some mean thing about them. Don't do that. The God of all creation loves you. And he cares about you. And he will not discourage you. God is not a discourager. He is the ultimate encourager. God always thinks the best of his children. Now he knows, he knows everything about us. And also in the book of, of Isaiah is where we find where God speaking to his children, he says, okay, let's, let's sit down and we'll talk, this, we'll talk about this. Now, you know and I know that you're guilty. Right? Isn't that what he says? He says, let's sit down, let's talk about this. You know that you're guilty. And you know that I know that you're guilty. He says, but, but, I forgive you. I forgive you. I love you. I created you. And I care for you. And I provide for you. And I watch over you. And I sustain you. And I gave my son to die on that cross for you. And he rose up from the grave for me. And he lives for you. And all that God has created, isn't it amazing? And God placed us here and he said, I give it to the human race. And there are some beautiful places here on earth, but my goodness, wait till we get to heaven. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. Well, it brings us to our summary. What do we learn from this passage? God the Father has chosen the Savior and his name is Jesus. There is no other Savior. And just like people rejected him then, people will reject him today. But there are those who will accept him. Now notice, people will continue to accept. But to accept him, one must humble himself or herself and admit Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I, I need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven for my sin. And this morning in our Sunday school lesson, Tom mentioned, he said, you know, some people believe that they're beyond hope. And that is true. There are some people who say, you just don't know what I've done. If you knew what I, what I did, you just, you'd leave me alone. You see, that's because most of them don't know that the Apostle Paul was Saul the Pharisee who was guilty of murder. And they also don't realize that Moses also murdered a man. 
And they also don't realize that David committed adultery with Bathsheba and he was guilty of murdering, having her husband killed. Shall we go on? I mean, the, the Bible is full of, of the great examples, right? Isn't that right? Yes. And some have even called Solomon the wisest fool. Jesus, our Lord, will save all who trust in him for salvation. That's God's will. It's God's will for people to come to know the Lord. He came to fulfill God's will, to save you, to save me, to save all of humanity. And the nature of our Lord's ministry is one of gentleness, forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope. Hope. Relationship, eternal security. You know, people look to the government. The government doesn't care about you. I remember one time when I was in the Air Force, and uh, I, uh, I was walking down the hall in, uh, in one of the offices where, where the first sergeant was. And I heard him speaking to this, to this young troop in there. And uh, the first sergeant was saying this. He was saying, boy, nobody cares about you. He says, you don't even know if your mother cares about you. But you better care about yourself, and you better straighten your life out, or you're going to be thrown out of the service. And I got to thinking, well, I believe my mother loves me. <laughs> But you know what? There are people out there that don't realize that God loves them. And God doesn't want to throw anybody away. He doesn't want to throw anybody out. He wants all to come to know him. So we're going to stand and sing this, this hymn of invitation, Living for Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. I want to encourage you to come forward. Don't delay. You come forward. Walk down the aisle. Give your heart and your life to Him. Maybe you've accepted the Lord, but you've never been baptized, and you've never made a commitment to be baptized. You need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You come as we sing. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.